Well, it truly is to, good to be in the house of the Lord. As uh, Dan was sharing about our missionaries that we support, uh, one of our missionaries that we support is in Japan. And um, I don't know if you've been following the news, but there was an earthquake over there and, uh, and tsunami, and there was just all kinds of devastation in that area. We see the, the different types of power that this earth is capable of. You know, we talked and we sang some songs just a few minutes ago about the power of God. And, and when we talk about the power of God, I asked somebody this week, I said, what comes to mind when you think of the power of God? And, and they gave me some illustrations of, of what the Word of God says in the Old Testament. And when we think of the power of God, sometimes we think of like the ten plagues in Egypt and, and those great signs and, and powers of God being demonstrated. Others would say, well... Man, when you think of God rolling back the waters of the Red Sea and making a, a, a pathway through the Red Sea, that was definitely a, an act of God, and that was the power of God being displayed. Or when the children of Israel stood before Mount Sinai, this incredible mountain, and it shook, and, and, it, and it smoked, and there was lightning coming down, and the people were like really freaked out. It's like, man, that is the power of God. We read of Moses going up before a rock and striking it with his, with his staff and water gushed out enough to feed millions of people. I mean, the power of God. And, and some would say, well, what about those walls of Jericho? Right? They walked around these walls of Jericho and they allowed out a shout to God and the walls came down and that, that earth just had to shake as those walls were coming down. And so we can look back into the Old Testament and we can see demonstrations of the power of God. The power of God certainly did not end with the Old Testament. We look at the life of Jesus Christ in the New Testament and He clearly demonstrated the power of God. He healed people. He opened blind eyes. He, he opened ears of the deaf. He raised people from the dead. And, and, and whether people loved Jesus or hated Him, they could not deny the fact that He was doing the supernatural. That He was doing things that no other person could do and and even today, historians, most historians look back at the historical count of this individual who walked this earth named Jesus Christ. And, and there's so much evidence and people who are alive in different recorded accounts, extra-biblical, not even not talking even biblical, but, but extra-biblical writings about this person, this miracle person, this person who was, who was setting demons free, this exorcist, so to speak. Now, Jesus didn't get this power from working out at the gym. And he didn't get it from reading a book on how to expel demons out of people. He was empowered from on high. He gave the credit. Jesus himself, as a man, gave the credit to the Holy Spirit's anointing on his life to do the supernatural. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, he, when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he has anointed me to do this and to do this and to do this. And then in the 14th verse of chapter 4 of Luke, it says that Jesus, he walked in the power of the Spirit. And, and, and people around that whole region, they recognize there's something different uh, about this person. And, and he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this was prophesied some 700 plus years prior in Isaiah's uh, writing, and we talked, we've talked about this the last few weeks, but, but it talks about this anointing that would rest on Jesus Christ. In chapter 11 of Isaiah, the opening verses, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse was King David's father. 
and a branch shall grow out of his roots, and the Spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. And then it says the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the, the, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. I'd like to talk about this might, the Spirit of might that was upon Jesus. The prophet Micah also said, and he will arise, speaking of Christ, this was a prophetic word, he will arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And friends, as amazing as this is that this person named Jesus Christ was empowered by the Spirit of God, it even gets better. We read in the Gospels that Jesus, he extended this power to other people. Most of the Gospels record the same thing. In Matthew's Gospel, it says that when Jesus called his 12 disciples to him, in Matthew 10 and verse 1, it says that he gave them power. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness. Not just a few different ones, not the easy ones, all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And so what does this tell us? This tells us that Jesus was given the freedom to extend the Spirit's influence, the Spirit's power to other people. In other words, by the direction of Jesus, the Holy Spirit empowered everyday people to do miracles and, and expel demons out of imprisoned and tormented people. And as interesting and fascinating as that is between between what Jesus and the Holy Spirit was doing, the story gets even more amazing. After Jesus died and he rose again and, 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 and he ascended into heaven, he essentially got the nod from the Father that the Holy Spirit can come down on this planet and, and empower all people. All people. And, and this is what we, we see taking place. Spiritually hungry people would be empowered by the same Holy Spirit. The prophet Joel, Old Testament prophet Joel, spoke of this again hundreds of years prior. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 28, the Lord said, And it shall come to pass after these things that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also on my manservants and on my maidservants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. That's what the Lord said. He said something similar, and again, in Isaiah's letter, in the 44th chapter, the Lord said in verse 3, I will, pour out my, I will pour out water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your descendants, he said. I'm going to pour myself out unto you. God didn't say he would give a little, a little, splink, a little sprinkling of his goodness to spiritually thirsty is there anyone here who's thirsty for a greater understanding of the ways of God? There's a promise in God's Word that He will pour out His Spirit on us. He will pour out His Spirit on you. He will pour out His Spirit on me. This is what He said. If you're thirsty and you ask, He will pour His Spirit out upon us. Now friends, if, if you get water poured on you, you're going to know it, right? You're going to be wet. And people around you will realize that you got water poured on you. And Jesus took this even further. In, in, in the Gospels, John the Baptist said, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming after me will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. 
He's going to immerse you. That's what the word baptize means. So we're going from a pouring out to an immersing. If you were immersed, you would know that you're wet, right? And others around you would say, there's something different about you. You look different. There's something that's taken place. And, and in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus continued this, this conversation that he had with his disciples. In the final hours before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, who were already born again at this time, he said, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem until you are empowered from on high, and you will receive the promise with a capital P. That's speaking of the person of the Holy Spirit. And Luke wrote the, the Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote the letter called Acts. And it's a continuation. It's, it's a division. It's a separation. But it's still the same story. And he picks up this account in, in the first chapter of Acts, and he records Jesus continuing his conversations. And he says, in a few days, guys, you're going to be baptized. You're going to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. And then... And, and then, ten days later, the Holy Spirit came to this earth like a flood. And, and, and the world has never been the same. It ushered in an entirely new age. Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. This is what Jesus was saying in, in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the world. He said, you're going to receive power to be a witness unto me. You're going to bear my image. You're going to continue the work that I have started. And of course, this is what we see in the day of Pentecost. And, and the Holy Spirit began to do a, a mighty work on the day of Pentecost. And we read through the book of Acts, and we see incredible demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit. We read in chapter 3 of of Peter and John on the way to the temple to pray, and they see this lame man who's been laying there lame. And they reached out and they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he jumped to his feet and he's walking and leaping and praising God. And, and the Scriptures say that thousands of people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. They saw a demonstration of the power of God. We read in the following chapters, chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7 of the book of Acts, we read of great signs and mighty miracles that were done as a demonstration of the power of God. We read in, in, in Acts chapter 8 of a guy named Philip. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit and, and people were getting saved and healed and, and they were being set free from tormenting spirits and, and there was great joy in that city. It was demonstrations of the power of God. Philip wasn't one of the apostles. He was an everyday Joel like you and me who put his faith in Christ and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, we read of a, of a man who, was, who hated Christians. He despised them. His name was Saul. His name was later changed to Paul. But he hated Christians until he had an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and his life was transformed. And the Scriptures say that three days after he met Jesus, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what happened to this man who was filled with the Holy Spirit? This man named Paul ended up writing most of the, of the, of the New Testament. God got a hold of his life, and he ended up going on missions trips. This is the Apostle Paul. But God did a work in him, and he was totally reliant on the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went through different cities, and he didn't just tell people about the transforming power of the resurrected Jesus. He demonstrated it. Listen to what he wrote to the Romans. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the Romans. In chapter 15, 
In verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, Yet I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me. I mean, he saw himself as the worst of the worst. And yet God, in his mercy, reached into, his, into that sewer that he was living his life in, and he pulled him out, and he says, Now glorify me. And so Paul's writing this letter, and, and he says, he says I, I'm not boasting about anything except for what Christ has done through me, bringing the Gentiles, in other words, the non-Jews, to God by my message and by the way I worked among them. They were convinced by the power of miraculous signs and wonders through the power of God's Spirit. And he says, in this way I have fully presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. He didn't just present part of it and say, you need Jesus. He said, nope, it was in demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he concludes by saying, I have fully presented the gospel of Jesus Christ. This was his M.O., when he went into these foreign cities, he went to, to Corinth, he went to Ephesus, he went to Philippi. He went to these cities and later he wrote letters to them. That's where we get the bulk of the New Testament. These are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. Listen to what he wrote to the Corinthians. This was a few years later. He's writing to them and he's reflecting back as to when he was with them. And he said in chapter 2 of, of 1 Corinthians, he said, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of, of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the power, of, or in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but your faith should be in the power of God. You know that Christianity is a religion, it's a belief, it's a following of power. It's about power. He wrote in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. In power. He went to the church in a city called Thessalonica. And he wrote a letter to them. It's called Thessalonians. He wrote two letters to them. In his first letter, he wrote back to those folks and he said, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. He wrote to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus. He said, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. We read in the book of Acts when he was in Ephesus, God did unusual miracles through him. Even his handkerchief that he wore or that he, he used and, and his, his apron, he was a tent maker. It would, they would take it and they would lay it on sick people and they would be healed. That's an unusual miracle. Unusual. So as we talk about this power of the Holy Spirit, you know, we may think, well, is the power of the Holy Spirit all about raising the dead and, and seeing people get out of wheelchairs and blind eyes open? That's a part of it, friends, but there's so much more. When we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, some people say, well, it's all about speaking in tongues. It's all about signs and wonders, right? That's a part of it. But friends, it's so much more. I'd like to direct our attention briefly to Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, we read of Paul on his second missionary trip. And he goes to this city called Philippi. And something very interesting happened in Philippi. Consider what happened in this city on Paul's second missionary trip. In Acts chapter 16, here's the narrative, starting with verse 16. Now, the Apostle Paul is one of the players here and his friend named Silas and Luke. Luke is the person who wrote this. And so they were traveling together. 
And so Luke, the author, he writes, Now it happened as we went to prayer, they were in the city of Philippi, so on this foreign missions trip, never been in this city before, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. And his girl followed Paul and us, and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So she's following them around proclaiming this. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, anybody here ever get greatly annoyed? Okay, we'll keep going then. Um, he turned to this, to this girl and he said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And verse 20 says, And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and they commanded them to be beaten with rods. Now they're getting beaten with rods on their backs, right? They're being flogged because they, 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 they took off the source, the source of this money from this girl that they were using. And it says, And when they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, the jailer, he put them into the inner prison, and he fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying, and they were singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, in awakening from sleep, and seeing that the prison doors were open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword, and he was about to kill himself. He knew that if you let the prisoners go, your life is done. Your life was over. And so he's, he's about to kill himself, but it says in verse 28, but Paul, he called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we're all here. And he called for a light and he ran in and he fell down trembling. This is the jailer. He, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he, and he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? In other words, I want what you got. And so they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved in your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night, and he washed their stripes. He cleaned them up, the blood. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. Middle of the night, they're getting baptized. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. And when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all of his household. Now friends, we can look at this account and we can say, okay, where was a demonstration of the Spirit of God? There's some, there's some, there's some many areas here. I'd like to just touch on a couple ways that the Holy Spirit empowers people as modeled through the Apostle Paul in this account. Number one, he, empowered, he was empowered to persevere. The Holy Spirit empowers us to persevere. They came into this town and this, 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 the spiritual powers of, of darkness were working against him. This girl is following him and mocking them. 
mocking them. And, and Paul was no stranger to opposition. We read of his missionary trips and people hated him. There were Jews following him and, and making him look bad. Actually, they, they dragged him out of one city and they threw rocks at him. They stoned him. They thought he was dead. They said, good riddance. So he was no stranger to opposition. And Paul, you know, he's, he's got this girl badgering him, following him around. He could have said, you know what, that's it. We're out of here. We're not seeing much fruit. If you read the account uh, a few verses prior, when Paul and Silas, they get to this town, only one person gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Her name was Lydia and her household. There were no healings in this community. There was nobody getting raised from the dead. There were no supernatural signs. None of this stuff was taking place. And the Apostle Paul could have said, you know what, that's it. We're not finding ministry success here. Let's move on. But he didn't. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he persevered. He could have said this place is too difficult, but he didn't. You see, the Spirit gave Paul the ability to not give up under difficulties. That's part of the power of the Holy Spirit, is, is to persevere. Just like the Spirit gave Jesus the ability to persevere, to not give up under difficulties. And just like the Holy Spirit will give each and every one of us the power to persevere when we go through difficulties. When it looks like nothing is going our way, you see, friends, none of us are exempt from spiritual opposition. And maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling like circumstances, they just keep coming at you from every direction. And you say, I just, you know what, I want to give up. And friends, when we are baptized, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, He gives us the power to persevere through those seasons, through those times when it looks like, like it, it just, it's time to throw in the towel. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to remain steadfast. Amen? We need it. it this is what the Apostle Paul says. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The power to persevere. We see this in this situation. Not only does the Spirit give us power to persevere, but He gives us the power over the works of the devil. Paul commanded this evil spirit to come out of this young girl. And the Spirit came out. You see, friends, this girl's body was essentially being used by ungodly people to make a buck. They looked at her body and they said, we can use this. She had no freedom. She had no advocate. She had nobody to come alongside of her. Her future was, was bleak. You know, she had no ability to do anything about her circumstances. She was stuck in the grips of the powers of darkness. That's the works of the devil. That's the works of the devil, friends. And, and we may look at this person and we say, you know what? Her, her situation really looks difficult. And as sad as it was, and as sad as that sounds, friends, her situation is not much different than scores of people all around us. Stuck, gripped in the works of the devil. People with tormenting thoughts and nightmares and they can't sleep at night. People with sicknesses and diseases, whether it's cancer or asthma or high blood pressure or diabetes or jaundice or Parkinson's or fibromyalgia, you name it, those, those things are not in heaven. God did not bring those sicknesses to this planet and say, here guys, deal with it. There, there's power, we sang of this. You see, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, he clearly said the Spirit's anointing on him was to heal and to set people free. One of the last words that, that the, the Gospel writer Mark recorded in his Gospel is Jesus saying, these signs are going to follow those who believe. 
They're going to cast out demons, and they're going to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. That's what he said. That's what Jesus said. So you might say, that's my interpretation. I'm not interpreting. I'm just reading what Jesus said. Right? Some people, they don't buy that. They, they, don't, they don't buy this. And, so, and, and see, we have to understand that just as Jesus was empowered by the Spirit over the works of the devil, so were his followers empowered. So was the early church empowered. So was Paul empowered in Philippi. And friends, so are we empowered in Pulaski and beyond. The same Spirit is doing the same work. He, he, didn't, he didn't retire. He's still doing what he does best, empowering people. He empowered them to come over the works of the devil. He empowered them to, to persevere. And, and, and a third observation I see here is he empowered, he was empowered, Paul and Silas, they were empowered to praise instead of pout. They were in such a, 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 a situation, they, they were beaten and chained, and, and the pain was, was just racing through their bodies. Nobody in their right mind would stand up here and volunteer to be whipped just to see how it felt. They were whipped and, and, and this, the pain in their bodies was raising, razor sharp and they could have said, God, is this what we get for serving you? A lot of people would walk away from God and say, you know what, I don't need this in my life. I'm not seeing any fruit. I'm not seeing any evidence. There's nothing happening. And it, and it could have been, boo-hoo, look at me. Is this what we get? They could have been offended at God for not protecting them from their pain. You see, there's way too much of a, of a gospel of comfort and relaxation being propagated from too many pulpits. There's pain, and there's a, pro a process, and there's a purpose in the pain. And in their pain, they were able to praise. In the most horrific circumstances, they had the ability to lift their voices to God in prayer and in song. Y you, know, you know what that's called? That's called the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the mind of a child of God. That's not somebody, that's not somebody in the right mind. And, and you know what? They weren't in the right mind. They had the mind of Christ. And they were empowered by the Spirit of God. How's that for a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit? Right? to be able to go through a difficulty and, and able to praise God. And, and you see, friends, I know that, that some of us are going through some very intense trials, and maybe you're going through a painful season right now, and, and, and you might think, you know what, God has abandoned me, or he's gone, or, or he's mad at me, or he's got something against me. Friends, the only thing that God has against you is his heart of love beating against your chest and his sustaining grace. That's the only thing he's got against you. That's the only thing he's got against me. He demonstrated it on an old rugged cross. How do, we, how do we go through these times of praise and, and, and times of suffering? How do we rejoice in all things? As Paul said uh, to the Philippians later when he wrote them from a different prison, he said, rejoice uh, in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. How do we do that? We do that by the Spirit. Empowerment. That's how we do that. Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, and verse 26, it says that, that Jesus was about to face his darkest hour. He's about to be betrayed and, and turned over to the authorities, and the next day he would be crucified. The darkest hour of his life. And according to Mark's Gospel, as they're heading out to the Garden of Gethsemane, guess what they start doing? They start singing. They sang a hymn, it says. 
Most likely the Word of God. And so here we see Jesus. There's praise in the midst of pain. Jesus praised God in Jerusalem. Paul praised God in, in Philippi. And friends, we get to praise God in Pulaski. In our difficulties. That is the power of God. That's not raising somebody from the dead, but it's just as powerful when we can persevere through these difficulties. Another observation here is the power to change an atmosphere. That atmosphere of that prison was drastically changed when Paul and Silas came into there. They came in, and I don't know if you've ever been in a prison or visited one, but they're dark and they're, 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 they're not pleasant places. There's no wood. It's concrete and, and steel and doors slam. And you know what that's all about. You hear those, you don't forget those sounds. And friends, the power of the Spirit of God was being released through the voice of Paul and Silas. Think of those, those, those prisoners in that place listening to this. The Spirit of Christ was alive in Paul and Silas. That place of darkness became holy ground. You see, where the presence of the God is, there is, there is, there is, there is freedom. They may have been shackled by their feet or by their hands, but they were free. There, there is freedom in Christ, and, and, and the power of God is released in faith. And this is what they were demonstrating. You see, they were praying and singing to God, and the prisoners were listening. Every one of those prisoners had a story. They had been abused, they'd been molested possibly, they'd been, they'd been cheated, they'd been hardened, they'd been hated, and, and, and they lived in shame and anger and abandonment and, 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 and all of this junk. And here we got these two guys who come in and, and they're praising God. God, I thank You for Your love for these people in this place. That You did not make a mistake when You made this person. And the person in two cells down, I know You love them and You've got plans for them and You can forgive them because You forgave me. They weren't in there praying, God, get me out of this hellhole. They were praising God. And just think of these prisoners who are hearing these words and, and they're hearing about the love of the Father. They're hearing about this confidence and the hope. Tell me that hope wasn't arising. There was something that took place and it says that the foundations of that prison were shaken. Something was happening in that atmosphere. You see, friends, when the Word of God and the presence of God come together, there's a power that is released. The kingdom of God was at hand here. Friends, never underestimate the power of the Spirit to change the atmosphere around you. Wherever God has you, you see, we each have different environments. We're going to walk out of here in a little bit and we're all going to go different directions. And tomorrow morning we're going to get out of bed and we're going to go different directions. You're in an environment that is capable of change by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's possible. That's why God strategically put us in the place of employment or that, or that school. You see, friends, the Spirit, He wants to change environments around us through us. Through us. Through people who were formerly rotten, dirty sinners who, who, who didn't want nothing to do with God. He pursued us and he says, now I'm going to use you. I'm going to be glorified through you like the Apostle Paul. And, and by the power of the Spirit, Jesus was changing the atmosphere of people's homes and neighborhoods. By the power of the Spirit, Paul and Silas were changing the atmosphere of that prison. And friends, by the power of the Spirit, we can change the atmosphere around Pulaski and the greater Green Bay area. Amen? 
If we don't really believe that, we're in the wrong place. I'm wasting my time if I don't believe this heart and, and soul right to the depths of my heart. You see, friends, this is what God can do. This is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And you see, the last thing that I observe in here just briefly was they were empowered to love unconditionally. Their chains fell off the doors and the doors were opened. And yet Paul and Silas didn't say, that's it, we're out of here. God opened a door. Every time God opens a door, it doesn't mean we're supposed to go through it. Someone needed to hear that. Just because God doesn't open a door, say, whew, I'm out of here. They, they stayed there. You see, that was a demonstration of power. It's called self-control. You see, the Spirit gave them the desire to stay instead of split. Why? Because there were people there who needed to hear about Jesus. And that was their mission. That's our mission. That was their, that was their calling. You see, when the jailer realized the prison doors were open, he figured that the prisoners were escaping, and meaning he would not only lose his job, but his head. And so he pulls out his sword. He's going to say, I'm just going to kill myself because I don't know what's going to happen. They may torture me and then kill me. He said, I'm going to just do myself in. And, and Paul didn't yell, just do it, man. <laughs> Good riddance. No, he didn't do that. He says, don't. We're all here. What would drive somebody to, to, to reach out? He didn't even know this guy. Paul was given the opportunity to loathe him or love him, and he chose to love him. Jesus said in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, in verse 44, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. How do we do that? There's only one way, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's really good at loving people who hate you? In your own strength, forget it. That's not natural. We, we, we can't do that. That person who hurt you, that person who's caused pain in your life, that person who betrayed you, that person who lied to you, that person who, who hates you, the Holy Spirit will empower you. That's what the baptism of the Spirit does. When we're immersed in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can, we can forgive and we can love. Jesus demonstrated that on the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he's telling, and he's, the guy on the cross next to him is saying, hey, receive me. You see, when Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon, upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me, this includes the power to love others unconditionally. Not if you love me, then I'll love you back. This is the power that he's talking about. The power to love others unconditionally. And Jesus modeled it throughout his life. Paul was empowered to love in Philippi. And friends, the Spirit wants to empower each of us to love in Pulaski and beyond. You see, those in Philippi, they had an encounter with the power of the Holy Spirit. They never stepped foot into a church. They never opened a Bible. But yet they, they were ambushed by love and the power of God. And that, that attracted them. They said, this is the real deal. People are tired of phony religion. They're tired of surfacy church. They want the real thing. That's why, like last night, Saturday night, there's people all around our region getting drunk because they're turning to a bottle because there's no, they know there's power in that. 
And then they wake up this morning with the regret and, and more in debt and, and, and shame. And, they, and there's a power source, friends, that we have that, that people need to hear about. You see, many people are trapped and looking for hope, and, and it's up to us to expose them and to introduce them to a life-giving source of power and love. Is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, limited to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons? Absolutely not. Does he do that? Yes, he does. I love it. It's actually pretty fun watching people get healed. And maybe you're here this morning and you need a touch from God. God can heal you before you leave. He can. Statistically, if you need healing, most people will say, eh, I got a doctor's appointment next week or whatever. Or it's just my thing to carry. Que sera, sera. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's so powerful, friends. He empowers us in so many ways, the power to persevere. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, man, you know, I, I quit every job I start. I, I just can't ever finish something, and I just, I, I just feel like I'm pressured right now just to bail out. And, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit can enable you to persevere. The power of the Holy Spirit to, to change environments. And maybe you're thinking, you know what, I've been at my job for how many uh, for how long, and, and I, I'm not really changing the environment, and, and I'm not bold, I'm, not, I'm kind of ashamed to be a follower of Christ, or maybe my, in my school or my surroundings, my neighborhood, and you're thinking, you know what, I've lived next door to this guy or this family or across the road, and, and they have no idea that I, that I, I know the living God, and, and I, I'm not changing my environment. And, and so maybe for you, you're thinking, you know what, I need to change my environment. I need to be a witness unto Jesus so maybe it's, it is the power to, to persevere. Maybe it's the power to change environments. Or maybe it's the power to praise. And, and you're thinking, you know what? I see, I see like some people up here just singing their hearts out and thinking, man, God has really anointed them. And, and he has, but friends, you know what? They don't have the corner on the market. That's an attitude of a heart. That's an attitude of a heart. That doesn't come after practice. They practice their skills. They want to do everything with excellence. But there's got to be something that's birthed within us, and that is every one of us. You might think, well, I'm kind of an introvert. I don't like to really sing. Boy, heaven's really going to be a challenge for you. <laughs> I'm just saying that it's going to be a challenge. You're going to have to stand before the Lord one day and say, you know what, you just didn't give me a voice that I could really, um, I didn't feel like I was capable of using it and giving my breath back to you, so... Maybe it's the power to love. And you're saying, you know, there's people in my life that have just irked me and I just, I just can't get over things. I, don't, I, don't, I look at people as objects and, and I use them to accomplish my goals. And so maybe your heart's cries, why can't I love people? Why am I, so, why am I so afraid to go up and tell someone about Jesus? Why am I, what's inhibiting me? How come I'm, how come I'm not sharing my, the love of God with, with others? And we need to receive that love of God before we can give it. And so maybe for you this morning, it's just, Holy Spirit, just fill me. You see, friends, his power is critical. It's absolutely critical for us to reflect the life of Jesus. I invite you to stand with me this morning. I just ask that you would just extend your hands like palms up. 
Like you want to receive something from God. Like He's ready to pour something into your lap and, and you want to catch this and He's ready to drop it. And, and so it's just a posture. It's something that He's not going to physically drop something on you, but, but it's, it's a condition of your heart. Maybe you're positioning your heart right now. and A position to receive. So Father in Heaven, we do position our hearts to receive from You. Jesus, we thank You for baptizing people with Your Spirit. Empowering us to live the victorious Christian life. Empowering us to live Your life through our bodies. Like You said we should. We call ourselves Christians. Christ-like little ones. Lord, just as these babies who are up here this morning are going to grow up and they're going to resemble a mom and a dad and, and they're going to have traits, Lord, we want, we want to reflect You and, and we know that You have equipped us. The provision has been made and so we receive. Fill us afresh and anew with Your Spirit and power. Right now, friends, I just ask that You would just say those words to the Lord. Fill me afresh and anew with Your power. Fill me afresh and anew with Your power. The power to love. The power to persevere. The power to, to praise. The power to, to, to walk in the authority that You have given me. Oh, we thank You. We thank You, Lord. We thank You. We thank You for the power to change environments. We thank You for equipping us and for loving us enough to not leave us as orphans and say, go figure it out. You're not telling any one of us to try harder. You're asking us to trust more, to receive. May we simply be conduits of Your power and Your love. And Lord, I pray if there's even one person here this morning who doesn't even know You, that they would say, Jesus, I need You to change me, to transform me. Make me into the person You created me to be. Father, we thank You for this word, this simple narrative, this historical narrative of two people whose lives were radically changed and they, they changed an entire city. You did it once, You can do it again. Lord, I thank You. We all thank You for pursuing us when we had no interest in You. What amazing love. Lord, as we walk out of this building, may we walk in this reality of how you've equipped us and why. Be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.